Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Sander Lanch podcast. Today, we are discussing White Sand, the White Sand Omnibus, chapters 10, 11, and 12, wherein there's a couple of assassin attacks. We we try to recruit some more uh, some more of the Taishin, Taishin, Taisha, whatever you say, it, to our side, and then we go to a party after. Probably the most jarring art change of uh, of the book. So I'm Data, and with me is Dak, Joe, and Jamie. So hang on to something, everybody. The Sander Lanch is about to begin. So yeah, three chapters, some more, uh, some more stuff happening. I'm gonna, po- I'm gonna po- point out just here at the beginning. One of the emails we got was somebody reading. They did. They don't have the omnibus, but they had the old versions of the books, and they asked if I could point out more of the differences as we go along than I was doing because uh, I was just reading the new one. I hadn't read the old ones in a while, even though they're on my shelf. So when we read this section, I kind of pulled out the old one and did a, a, a comparison as I went. Not a real detailed one, so I'm sure there's lots of differences that I didn't spot, but I did make notes on some of the differences that I found, and I will point those out as we go. So for uh, for anyone else like that who is reading the old ones and wondering. But three chapters. What did you guys think of these three chapters? Yeah, they were all right. I feel like I'm really not just clicking with this whole oh, the the assassins ha- like can only attack on certain days and then like they have to give you a day off and so I was like how is that in any way practical for assassins their job is to remove political threats you do that when you can not because of some arbitrary like guideline I don't know that just that that that, that just seems silly to me like the story itself is is going pretty well I really like the tract ice ace have you pronounce it like um, I'm enjo- I'm enjoying her story. We lost Bayon this time. Uh, he's just like, yeah, right. You figured out my ruse. I'm out. And I was like, well, that just seemed to come out of nowhere. Really, oh. yeah. There's a few things going on. I'm just like, I'm just confused as to how this just happened there. But you know, on the whole, I'm I'm still keen to see where it, where it all goes. But yeah, there's just a few things here. I'm just like, well, what's what's the deal here? This just seems odd. It was kind of sudden, right? Mm. Yeah, it's the, like the Bayon departure specifically. I mean, yeah, it's like, oh, you figured out my ruse. Like, I vaguely threaten you with a gun, and then it's like, all right, see, I'm out. <laughs> I don't even know. I mean, we, we'll get there when we get there, but I don't even know that I felt like he was threatening her with this gun. Although no. one of the professors does say that, I was like, I don't think he is. But yeah, no. I, I, does he even point it at her at any point? No, he does. Like, he doesn't. So. Which is, I think, another reason I was confused. I'm just like, are you threatening the Duchess? Like, I'm just like. I don't know that he is, but okay, I guess we're running with this now. And he just he just like, all right, see ya. Yeah, we don't <sighs> we don't really get an idea about like, okay, so you're a traitor or something. Like, who, why, like, what what was your purpose here? Yeah, yeah, that was all all that. And then, as you mentioned, like the art shift between the second and third chapters here was jarring as hell. Mm-hmm. That was, I think, I think that was the first major. Uh, hold on, I'm gonna go back and look at the thing. Yeah, it's uh, like 
Not, neither art style is like one's better than the other, but they're, but they're very different. Very different, yeah. So yes, the line art has been the same, chapters 1 through 11. Chapter 12 is where we get a new line artist. Although, weirdly, they were, they're both named Julius. And then this the, the guy for 12 just does 12, and then 13 through 18 is somebody else. But uh, as Joe has noted, there have been shifts in the art before now, and that's because the colorist has changed uh, a couple times already. Right. Well, and the fact that some of the stuff like the prologue was done later by yet another person mm-hmm. and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think the colorist actually changed twice during this section. If I'm, Maybe I'm mistaken, but chapter, well, see, colors. chapter 10 and 11 even look different to me. Uh, no, this says that the same color people did uh, okay. did 9 through 18, actually. So starting with 9, they managed to keep a hold of a color person. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know why it looked different to me then, but yeah. Yeah, this section... I agree quite a bit with Dak and Data. The the jar it was very jarring the art art change um, between eleven and twelve. It, it's it's almost like it's the style is so vastly different. It's almost like it became like a kid's book. Uh, mm-hmm. It was very they're very cutesy looking, which is funny because before like right before that when they first arrived at the party, the Lord Admiral looked very like intimidating and drunkenly and slovenly and then in the very next section he looks like super cheery and happy so it was very kind of strange i feel like it didn't quite fit the transition didn't quite fit what was going on in the story and yes there's a lot of there's a there's a couple of things in this section that were like very abrupt one of them was bayon which we already touched on the other one which i i can't quite rectify what's happening except to say it's throwing some kind of suspicion is Eric, he, like, is talking to himself in the mirror, almost like he's Gollum, like, <laughs> about whether he should continue spending time with his friend. And we, we, I guess we're finding out that he doesn't really agree. In the past, at least, he hasn't really agreed with how Kenton, with Kenton's plans, and that he, it sounds like he may have left originally because of Kenton, not because of his dad. So there's kind of weird stuff going on with Eric it kind of lends, lends credence, I think, to my theory that maybe he was partially behind what happened to the DM, but maybe I'm wrong about that. I don't know. But yeah, there was some interesting stuff in these sections for sure. Again, once again, all the stuff that – all of the between-chapter stuff that Chris writes, I love. It's all really good stuff. Mm-hmm. But some of the stuff in the story, I don't know if the if the dialogue and the – and what was being shown just didn't quite match up in the way that made sense to me. I've had this same issue when reading like DC comics that like sometimes you'll read a, you'll be reading a story and then like the next issue will come out and it's written and it's almost like it's written by a different author. And a lot of times they do that, you know, in, in a run, they'll have different authors write uh, the next issue. But it's like the story doesn't exactly line up in a way that narratively makes sense and you almost feel like i'm missing something something happened off page that i'm not seeing and i don't understand exactly what's going on in the story right now so i felt that way a couple of times in the in this section probably you know what i mentioned with eric and with bayon but yeah i I liked what was going on the stuff i understood but yeah i'm a little confused as well yeah, on the Eric front, it was there. There was I think the last episode we had the moment where Kenton's like, "Oh yeah, your dad blames me for you leaving," and he's like, "Oh, I did not know that." And then yeah, in, like you said in this one, it seems kind of like that his dad is has the right idea. Maybe Kenton uh, does not understand. 
his friend as well as he thinks maybe. Yeah, and I mean, I think I think we've kind of learned enough about Kenton to know that he's so of his own goals and of his own mind that he often ignores the people around him to his detriment. So it's not a super surprising revelation because mm. he we've already seen him kind of do that with Chris. He's like, yeah, whatever you you need help. OK, well, I'm in the middle. I got, I'm busy I'm doing this other thing. Yeah, although in in that case, to be fair, we were like, well, he he does kind of have problems that are more relevant to him than her problems. Sure, sure, but it's obviously not just that. Like, there seems to be some kind of pattern here. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, look, I I kind of agree with what's already been thrown out. The whole Bayon thing was very abrupt. I I didn't expect that to come down in a. Chris is going to ask the question, and he goes, "Oh, yeah, you caught me." Like, dude, really? It just seems a little too simple. <laughs> and Eric as well. I, w- I felt I felt good in that my original instinct was there was something up with him because I, w- I was doubting myself last week because I was like he hadn't done anything that's super suspicious. Maybe maybe we're just maybe I'm wrong. But no, I think I think I was onto something there. He's and what Joe said about Gollum that was exactly my first reaction to that. I had a little giggle as I was reading that. The art, yeah, even I caught that the art was different, which I've, I've been trying to pay more attention to the drawings this week because I've, I've found it a little bit hard to – this is my first graphic novel, so it's just not a medium that I'm used to reading. But, yeah, even I caught that it was very different. And I was like, oh, okay, not not bad, just very, very different. Is the, Were these ever released prior to being an omnibus or was it all – no, yeah, they the, released as three different graphic novels uh, or three different volumes of the graphic novel originally. Uh, it's been yeah. several years now. I forget exactly when. And so the artists changed within each release? So, hold on, let me go back and look at the thing. So the original, hold on, let me, uh, the original artist was, I'm going back to the, where it lists out the artists. So the original art guy did, uh, the line artist at least did, Chapters one through eleven. So he did the entire first book and two or more, like what, five sixths of the second book, and then mm. left. And so somebody else came in for the last chapter of the second book, which is that one that we just finished with, and finished that one chapter. But they had a, one color guy for, chap, for chapters one through six, so the first book, and then they had a second color guy for chapters seven and eight, the first two chapters of the next book and then a third color guy for uh the the rest of the three or the the rest of the second book and the whole third book so yes they did change different people at different times yeah i find it's just really strange but i i don't know i mean it is uh about five minutes ago that i learned that someone different draws the lines and someone different colors (laughs) so I did not know that. There's there's something new you learn every day. Um, yeah. I find it strange that it's mid issue. Like, why? Why? Why did you? <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Jamie, you are uh, you are landing on an argument that's uh, often quoted as "you a tracer." Oh, I was about to say that that's probably how I learned that there were two different people doing the comic, like a, a person who drew and a person who colored because of chasing Amy. Yeah. When they is like you, tr- you a tracer, man. You draw around the lines. We need to watch that movie again. 
Oh, hey, man, what do you call it when somebody draws a piece of art and then somebody draws the exact same thing right on top? Uh, tracer? <laughs> Mucking with the G, you fucking tracer. Oh, my gosh. Okay, yeah. But as I recall, when the, when the, when the original books first came out, there was a big a big stink in the fandom about this art change specifically because it is so drastic. People were very unhappy and uh, there was, there was, you know, anger all over the internet about, uh, well, yeah. this, this art isn't nearly as good as the other one. Look, it's way, it's so much more simplistic and pe- people are upset. And it's just like, well, well, the, the art style is different. I think my objection with it is it doesn't fit the tone of what's going on in the story. Yeah. Like it looks too pretty, <laughs> too kid almost kid-like in its craft um, seems less detailed yeah and it just it doesn't really fit the narrative you know and i think that's that's probably you know what those fans are are feeling it's like it doesn't really fit yeah when we I mean, get to the next chapter when we do chapter 13 for next week you will notice that the art style changes again and it's kind of it's kind of halfway between these two i feel like so uh who knows <laughs> I mean, it's again. It's not to say that it's bad. It's just different. Yep. Like if the whole book had looked like that, then you probably wouldn't uh, really think much yeah. of it at all. But no. The only other thing that I thought was interesting to note was someone named Trell. Yeah. I don't even remember that now. We're going to have to point it out when we get there. Yeah, he's the he's the head of the builders people that can, like, stops them from yeah. working for the day. Oh, his, his name, okay. He says his name is Trell. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know whether Trell is just kind of like the hoid of this planet. I, I don't know. <laughs> Bob down the road. Um, <laughs> but I just thought that was interesting being on Autonomy's planet. Is this an avatar of Autonomy already here? Interesting. Hmm. You know that whole – there was that whole thing in um in Lost Metal where Shy or Moonlight at the time was just calling out. It's like there's no artistic – to all this building it's all just like stock standard so maybe autonomy is the same way when it comes to names <laughs> and like it's just very bad at coming up with new ones so it keeps reusing the same ones <laughs> that would be funny she's just all like right, what oh, well, i need a new name for this what oh i knew a guy one time hold on yeah we'll use that <laughs> one of our yeah, the master builder trell man man this is the fifth trell we've come up with this year it's like ah oh, fuck you can't have too many trells <laughs> <laughs> okay fine we'll go with something different mm, trell <laughs> I mean, I like know. the idea. It's like, she, you know, maybe there's something to this. She's seen like the Hoyd hopping everywhere and decided, I'm going to do that and just like copy this thing. And Hoyd's just like, a, motherfucker, are you following me? <laughs> yeah. It's just, uh, I think it's more of like, you know, she's like, should we tell her she's already used Trail before? It's like, no, nah, no, nah, she'll kill us. Don't do that. Yeah. Who's going to second guess <laughs> autonomy? Yeah. Yeah, true. Uh, okay. Let's, let's, let's do these chapters. Let's do this chaptery thing. So we left off last time with Kenton wandering off on his own and getting attacked by a, a lady who pops out of the sand, like a freaking Jack in the box, a sand Jack in the box. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so we have a fight here with the, uh, this time, I guess they only sent one assassin. They didn't send the full eight that they're allowed to send. So I guess that's lucky. Yeah. It seems like she was better though than the other ones. So maybe they thought like this one would get the job done. Yeah. Fair point. She greased herself in turkin oil so that the sand doesn't work on her. I hate when that happens. Yeah. <laughs> Get covered in turkin oil. Lady Doris, the worst. Have you got 
Have you got any grease? Yes. <laughs> then grease me up, woman. <laughs> Okie dokie. Ah, Willie. Okie dokie. <laughs> oh, Willie. That's me retirement grease. <laughs> Ruining Scotland. <laughs> Still have the same pool table on which I was conceived, born, and educated. There, honestly, if if there's one person that is just like there's no end, to, like every everything he says is a quote. It's Willie. In, oh, uh, yeah, Willie. I don't know yeah, who else it. in The Simpsons is just like always the joke. <laughs> uh, okay, so yeah, she's uh, they're fighting. She's she almost gets him, but then he spots one of those things that the general showed him earlier, where it's like, yeah, these are fine until you touch them, and so he manages to shove her into it, and the thing like eats her. She's, she she says no 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 and then she says yarg and dies yeah it's too bad i this lady seemed interesting i wanted to learn more about her but then she died so quickly yep. we we immediately cut to the eric kenton and ace leaving with the lord general like watching them go and it's like you're supposed to be his bodyguard why weren't you there and ace is just like well if the sand if it was the sand lord's will i would have been there and Eric's like, I, I, I can't argue with that logic. That's just mind blowing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, how are you gonna argue that? And I, I, Eric talked to his dad, and I guess they kind of made up. He says he's still angry with me, but he probably always will be because I'm not gonna be Lord General after him. Mm. He even tried to give me a sword. And we cut to the DM where Dryl is up there, like, where is the Lord Maestral now? He's out looking out for himself. And Kenton's like, no, I'm right here. And I like Dryl is not even he's like he doesn't hesitate really. I mean he has a, the dot 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 speech bubble, but then he's like, <laughs> Lord Maestro, welcome back. Like he's unashamed <laughs> with what he's doing. Yeah, it's also confusing because like I really want Ken to be like, dude, I was just trying to save the DM. That's why I've been running around like crazy. Like what are you talking about? Yeah, like I'm 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 out getting votes to save the DM. What are you doing, Dryl? And so he's like, okay, Kenton's like, fine. I I can't have you like. Every time I walk out the door, you starting shit. So we're gonna we're gonna settle this. Yep, settle it old school. And so uh, he says that years ago there was a way that these things were handled. So why don't we bring it back one on one, me and you in the dueling pit, dance off, bro, you and me, and Agni Kai. Yeah, yeah. It'd be more funny if it was if if they built it up as like a life or death thing, and then it was a dance off. It's like, what? You guys thought we were gonna kill each other? What's wrong with you? <laughs> No, they're gonna go down into like into this giant pit and like they'll it's like a giant chessboard and they have to use their sand ribbons to move the pieces. Oh, that would be hilarious actually. Yep. That that that's my new uh headcanon for how these duels work. <laughs> and so Kenton's like, as soon as they vote and we find out if I save the DM or not, then you and I can try to kill each other. And Drow's like, Okay, fine, but I wanna do it before the vote, so you'll never know or you'll never be the true Lord Maestral. Okay, again, why does that matter? Ken's just like, fine, whatever. And Eric's like, well, you're an idiot. He controls 25 ribbons and you have three. What, what are you thinking here? And, uh, oh, this is the first the first difference I noticed was in Kenton's quarters, on uh, when, when he and Deeran start to do their experiment with sand, there is a shot where you, you're, you're looking over Eric's shoulder as he's sitting on the couch and the two of them are like through a doorway and in the original version there's an electric light fixture on the wall uh right next to the doorway and it's been removed huh. so that's the kind of changes that they make nothing nothing usually too huge but uh stuff like that mm. 
Also, throughout like all art, of these art mistakes. Yeah, basically. Throughout all of these, uh, this whole section, as Kenton and Deeran are like experimenting with sand ribbons, the original, there's like way more effects. There's like all these lightning and crazy effects around the sand ribbons to the point that it's really hard to tell what the sand ribbons are doing because there's so much junk. And so they removed a lot of that for this. I think that's probably a good change. Yeah, I agree. I wouldn't have thought of it until I saw the comparison between the two. And I was like, oh, no, this is much better now. So, yes, he's got it. He's got an idea. And really, I think this is just to show off how this works. But if you've got two sand ribbons and the tip of one touches the side of the other, the the one that got touched collapses. So he's like, hey, and then but if you touch like the two tips together, they both collapse. This is uh, this could be bad if Dax's theory is true. He's showing Deeran how to defeat him. Yeah, it's true. Yep. I mean, we're assuming Darren didn't already know. He could just be, like, playing it up. It's like, I'm the young, inexperienced. Yeah, he's actually a mastermind. Yeah. Master of sand. I see you, Darren. Dilop already pulled this shit on us and back in Elantris. Yeah. <laughs> and there's actually a lot of this conversation that's been slightly changed, I noticed, too, to make it more explain better what is actually happening because they they were a little unclear originally as if you were just supposed to look at the pictures and figure out what was happening. Uh, so, yeah, that's another change here on um, 281, especially because there's so much explanation with, to like Kent, between Kenton and Eric about what's happening. But, yes, after he's like, maybe I can, you know, use this thing to my advantage and I can I have better control over my three ribbons than he does over all of his ribbons. Right. So maybe I can use that to my advantage. And Eric's like, you still need like more ribbons to win. And Kenton's like, well, the only way that I know of to control more ribbons is to overmaster. Build those muscles like the guards at the tower do. And so it's a dangerous thing to try, but he's like, well, maybe that's what I have to do to get more powerful is to push myself to the edge, basically. And then we cut to tracked ace and her her buddy, another tracked. I don't even know if they have if he has a name. And this is another change I noticed is that all of these gray boxes that are like aces internal monologue, they're all new. The rest of the dialogue doesn't change at all. You just didn't have any of this information. Huh. So much is in her internal monologue, though. That's yeah, right. I didn't realize until I saw that. I was like, "Oh my gosh, you, we're just there's so much we didn't know before." Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so she has spotted the way that Nilto, or she thinks Nilto. Once again, we don't know that it's Nilto. She spotted how Sherazan, true identity and mystery, is rigging these boat races. By, like, not rigging the boats, but rigging the lanes somehow so that the outside lane wins more often. That's a cool little trick. I don't know how yeah. he does it, but that's a cool trick. Right. And so her her buddies, like, hey, we're, we're getting close to Shirazan. We really could use you working on this. And she's like, yeah, I have nine more days and then my, my assignment will be over. It, the Sandmasters will be eradicated finally. And she walks outside and, hey, here's Kenton and Eric. Like, yeah, what's up? And he, Eric says, I th- we, we thought you stood us up. And she's like, my role is to provide protection for Lord Maestral. And I see he's still alive. <laughs> she's great. I love her. Right. She's a very conflicted character, and it's fun. Another thing that gets removed that I put a note here, when there's scene changes, the original one had a lot more situations where at the beginning it would be at the very beginning of the page. For example, on one of these pages, when we switch locations, there was a big so dot dot dot. Or, meanwhile, at the Diem, dot, dot, dot. 
So a lot of those were removed. There's still a few of those kind of things in here, but a lot of them were taken out. <laughs> Meanwhile, back at the plot. <laughs> yeah. Back at the ranch. And I was the so is the one that really stood out to me because I'm like, how useless is that? Like, <laughs> so. So. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if those were like when he was writing it, those were in his notes, like to help you know that there's a transition here, like as prose. Mm. And then they like left it in the actual version. And he was like, well, that was just supposed to, you know, <laughs> that there's an art transition. We don't need that in the book. Right. And so they go to see the Lord Merchant, who is uh, keeps them waiting for a long time, two hours. And Kenton's like, oh, well, I guess while I'm bored out here, I'll just do some sand mastery. And that pulls Vey out real quick. How dare you practice your unholy art in my offices? I really enjoyed that. I was like, good thinking, Kenton. That's, <laughs> that's a lot of fun. That certainly got his attention. And so Ken doesn't bring Chris this time, which maybe that would have been useful given how bad he is at negotiating. But uh, he basically is like, okay, Lord Merchant, all you care about is money. How much is it going to cost me? But he's like, nope, I'm going to vote against the DM, and that's that. I don't want your dirty Sandmaster money that basically somebody else gave you anyway. But then he starts to insult Tracked Ace, and that's when Kenton is like, nope, that's it. That's enough. And he uses Sandmastery again wrecks like his desk or at least part of his desk and they get kicked out he screams i would sell my very soul first now get out so yeah not uh, not gonna be easy to get that guy's vote i, I quite like kenton's line there like Vay just goes i hate you he's like good you're true to your religion now be true to your profession and let me bribe you I'm like <laughs> oh there's a lot to unpack in that yep it, it it's it only struck me reading it this time that if you are someone like Vay who is just like Above all else, I want to get rid of the Sandmasters. Then the best way to probably do it would be to let Kenton, quote unquote, convince you. And you're like, oh, yeah, I'll totally vote for you. And then he'll leave you alone. And then you get to the vote and you're like, yeah, no, I changed my mind. I vote against it. And that's <laughs> unanimous. So we're done. Yeah, but I guess um, like like he says, if word gets out that he supported them for even a moment, he'd get torn limb from limb. That's a good point. Yep. His people would not be happy. So they leave and tracked Ace is like. Hey, don't ever do that. Don't defend me. I don't need you. And I I would I, I don't want your help in any way. And Kenton's like, geez, I can't win with you, can I? And she's like, yeah, duh. I told you that at the beginning. And here here we have back at the DM. So it's not all gone, although this isn't the kind of uh, big letters that they used before. So he gets an invitation to a party from the Lord Admiral. And it's uh, Eric's like, oh, sweet. Am I invited? He's like, it doesn't say uh, it does say that he, I should bring my dark side beauty. So uh, hopefully Chris will find that a compliment. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It seems kind of icky to me. Mm. I mean, she wasn't even with him when he went to visit the Lord Admiral. So I guess he's heard about her since then. And then there's another note that they found a note for Ace, which we don't actually get to see here. She scrunches it up and she's like, oh, yeah, this has nothing to do with you. That's for me. And then we go to see Chris. And another thing that is added is all of these, all of her personal notes, like journal notes and everything, that's all new. None of that was here before. So where it says day 59, ninth hour. But one of the biggest things I noticed is actually we talked about these speech bubbles and how they change colors for uh, based on the language being spoken. That was not there in the original either. All of the speech bubbles were the same. Hmm, really? I think it's a nice touch that they did that then. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Especially like a lot of the conversations – where they, you know, people are going back and forth between different languages. It's not mentioned. 
So it was really hard to tell in the original. And that when I looked back at it, like who could understand what was being said when there's, you know, Chris is in the room, but also somebody else who doesn't speak dynastic is in the room. So if Kenton is talking to that person, what language are they speaking? Who can understand what's going on? So yeah, it's, it's a big improvement. Uh, he, he says her shoe, she looks taller. What's up with those weird shoes. And she's like, Oh yeah, they're heels. Most women wear them on the dark side. She, she mentions that she met with the Nilto, the Lord beggar, which that's also a change. Like, uh, she doesn't mention that here in the original when they meet, when they spot the Lord beggar at the party later, she's like, Oh, is that that guy? And he's like, what, you know him? Like, that's where it comes out that they've met each other. Right. And she's not wearing her sunnies in this scene. So she's like finally done away with those. Maybe, but they're inside. So maybe it's not a, as big. Yeah, true. And so he shows her that she's been, they've been invited to a party and she's like, Oh, we're making progress then. But she is the one who kind of figures out, like, wait, you told me the Sandmasters never had to pay for anything, right? So they've been getting all this tribute for years, but they didn't need it. And they both realize at the same time, then where did, like, they say, where have they stashed it? I feel like the question is more, where did it go? But apparently there is a bunch stashed, so maybe that is right. So we get another page of her stuff where she talks about sand mastery and star marks and are they connected in some way? And there's a couple little sand experiments where she like gets it turn make gets it wet to make it black and then covers half of it and leaves it out in the sun and only ha- the half that was left out turns white. I feel like that shouldn't be a surprise. And she I like the smiley face with the rocks in the sand as a test also. But the the pinhole camera that she makes is maybe the most interesting one where she is able to use the light coming through the whole pinhole to turn some of the sand white and basically create a photograph, which is very cool. But the weird part is that in the corner of the little photograph, there's a creepy face. And she's like, yeah, I don't know what that is. But um, what uh, I was having so much trouble seeing the face where where what corner is it in the bottom left corner? OK, let me pull up the picture again. We don't we don't have to stop. You can go on. But OK, and like she's like, what is that face? I mean, humans see things in clouds, but this is a bit unsettling. And so she's like, I feel like there's some connection between the anomalies I found planet star marks, sand mastery. It, it feels like it's somehow interconnected. Could the underlying power that keeps our planet in orbit also be the underlying power that fuels, dare I call it this magical elements that seem outside the order of nature. So she's, uh, she's getting some, uh, some ideas. She's discovering magic, which we know later she will delve into researching as like a full-time job, basically. Chapter 11 is called Party Politics. And so he storms out because they're going to go and look for this money. But once they get on the street, something is weird. And there's another attack. More assassins. This time, Bayon is involved because Chris is here. So he's got a protector. And he takes a boot to the back of the head. with I like the, the womp sound effect. Classic. And Kenton... And Kenton does something we have not seen before. He uses sand to create like a hologram Kenton to distract them and they attack it and he manages to take them uh, from behind. Which, yeah, I was very confused about that. Yeah, I was like, wait, that's a thing he can do? Why why didn't we know that was a thing that he could do? (laughs) Yeah, I agree. It was a little far-fetched. It was like, oh, it's a story. They can make all these ribbons. Oh, by the way, they can also do this. Like, hmm. It is so very different from anything else that you, like Jamie's right. It's all been ribbons so far. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, also holograms. You know, it's like, it's like did he is that one ribbon or three ribbons that he's made into a hologram? That's just <laughs> like, yeah. 
uh, I, I'm I'm baffled by the implications of this. <laughs> one actually, no, now I, now I see oh. the face. Uh, here we go. One actually very interesting thing that changed from the prose version to the comic book version is that in the prose version, Sand Mastery <laughs> had like one power that only the greatest Sand Masters could uh, could do. Uh, it was like the ultimate expression of sand mastery if you could do this then you were a top level master and it was called slatrification which allowed you to turn sand into water which given that sand mastery uses water from your body and you can dehydrate that was very useful power to be able to have yeah unlimited sand mastery then no over no over uh whatever and so, like, when Kenton is running the path at the beginning of this book, and he's like, oh, this was a test. You had to save you had to save up some of your water so when you get to the end, you could pour it on the thing and scare it away or whatever. In the in the prose version, it was like, oh, this is a test. You have to have that ultimate power to make water here and get rid of the giant sand creature or else you can't beat the ma- maestral's path. So, but uh, Brandon, before even the comic came out, he was like, I regret putting that in there. Like, that's... Not only is it just completely different from everything else Sand Mastery does, but it kind of breaks it because, like Joe said, you have unlimited if you can do that. So, uh, yeah, that got pulled out of the story. I think it's probably a good call. But that that just to give you an example of Sand Mastery used to be able to do more stuff so, and weirder stuff. So maybe the hologram's not that crazy. Uh, but what he does to resolve this situation is like he, he tells Ace, like, I'm going to do something. You might find it heretical. And she's like, well, I find your very existence heretical, so you may as well. He reaches out with sand ribbons and grabs Bayon's pistols and then, like, shoots the approaching assassins with the pistols. In what is, I think, a pretty cool moment. But uh, also, I don't know why she'd necessarily find that heretical. She probably doesn't know what that is. (laughs) I thought that was cool. Yeah. Yeah. And then Bayon gets a little of his own back when he's like, you got me unaware last time. Let me return the favor when he pops out of nowhere and stabs the guy through the chest. And Kenton is like... This guy has the tattoos, but this is this guy's low sandin. It's the first time that one of them has tried to kill me. And Ace is like, I had heard that a car is has promised to let low sandin believers be adopted into Christian families if they dedicate themselves only to him. So apparently uh, the car is going to make stuff a little a little more open for some of these people if uh, they pledge themselves to him exclusively. So I mean, that's one way to get some people. And then Chris is just like, how come every time I go somewhere with you, I almost get killed? Why does everyone want you dead? And she's put her her sunglasses back on now, so I guess she still needs them a bit. And so Kenan has to sit down and finally explain to her, you know, my mom was from the dark side, my father was a maestral, and some people say that's why his children didn't have the talent, because we were half dark side. I can accept it on technicality, but I'm really you know not that good, basically. I hadn't made peace with him, and then he was killed. And so we were ambushed out there. It was a setup. I don't know how or why, but my father, my friends, almost everyone died. And uh, he's just like, everything is going against me now. I'm trying to fix the DM, but there's not that many of us left. The the car is drumming up hate for us among the Kareen followers. I'm running out of friends. And she's like, I'm your friend. We'll figure it out. That's nice. That's nice. Yeah. And so they get back to the DM and Eric's like, oh, no, yeah, I totally explored this room and found like this hidden drawer the first day I was here. See? Yeah, what are you talking? I've, I've been snooping around since I got here. Like I found all this stuff. You didn't know about this? Yeah, I, f- I found all this money that your people left behind. I knew you were in debt and didn't mention it at all. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna I'm take your best that friend, with me when right? I left. Actually, you could you trust me completely, right? Uh, well, and clearly taking the money. It'd be funny if actually 
he uh there there he found a lot more money and he did take that and that's the all of the all of the like million lack was actually here and uh he's like oh i don't have to tell him about that this is one other small change where he tells he asked chris and beyond to go check the uh, the other rooms and in the original version she's like you don't tell me what to do but in this one she's like you heard him beyond let's do this but i i do like he's like stay back it could be booby trapped while they're finding all this, uh, all the money. And she just goes at it. And I maintain my objection to this. And she's like noted. So in all, they find about 5,000, but that's not 5 million. So uh, we cut back to Ace, who is praying to the sand Lord, which you apparently do with a big trunk full of sand that you open to pray. It's kind of interesting. And so she's having trouble reconciling. She's killing all these people of her religion to protect this guy that her religion hates. So how do I, Am I am I I'm trying to uphold the law, do my job? Is am I wrong? Yeah, it seems like this her job as a tract goes is flying directly in the face of her religion in this particular case. Mm-hmm. So it's like, how do you rectify that? It's like my job's asking me to do something that I don't like religiously want to do. Well, it's interesting to me because in a lot of media what you would see is like if a person's job is going against their moral code because of their religion or even just their personal morals what what their moral code tells them to do is what we would think of as right it's like if your job is making you do what's not right then you should you know follow your personal code and do what's right in this case her personal code is to not say maybe even kill this guy but definitely not save him like she keeps doing and in this case, I think most people are probably maybe you should do your job instead. Like th- this is kind of a messed up code. So it's it's just different from what we see a lot of time, which I found interesting. Yeah, I think maybe that's why I'm like I'm interested in her character, because you're right. Like how, how many other works of fiction have you seen where someone's gone? This job is making me do things that I shouldn't do, shouldn't do. So I'm resigning or turning in my badge or whatever. And she's not doing that. It's true. So, um, so yeah, it's it's an interesting touch. She wants her husband and daughter to get out of town because Sherazan is powerful. He figured out we were going to raid the boat races and got out before we got there. Uh, Which that happened off screen. Yeah, right. But I guess I I guess she probably wasn't even involved in that. She probably just heard about it after the fact. I want you to go request sanctuary from the judge in this place and wait wait there until you hear that Sherazan has been captured. But he's like, no, we're not going to go. She's not happy about that. Actually, I guess he doesn't say that here. And here's where we get the Eric Gollum scene where Eric's like, you're doing the right thing and leaving. You're not abandoning him. He doesn't really need you. You did what you came here for. You talked to your dad. It's time to go. And the mirror, the mirror is like, dude, keep packing. Not not this. And he there's a flashback to Kenton giving him a valuable sword as a gift. And he's like, yeah, Eric, someday you're going to be the Lord General and I'll be the Lord Maestral and think of what we'll do. Yeah, I do remember there was a point earlier where Kenton makes an offhand reference like, no, you don't carry a sword anymore. Yep. He kept the scabbard, but he threw the sword away. So all these years, Kenton still thinks your father drove you away. He doesn't have a clue. He hasn't changed. He'll still find a way to use you in his plans. All he cares about is his fight and his success. But this time he's doing something noble. He offered to fight Dryal to bring everyone together. He's going to need me. And he's like, you're a fool. Yeah, it's, it's a very golem talking to himself uh, scene. This really smacked of a scene where if it was in prose, he wouldn't be saying all this out loud. There's, there's yeah. just be things he would be running through in his head. But that doesn't yeah. work in this medium. So it's like, guess he's going to have to talk to himself because this must be a vital part of the story that you can't cut out. Right. And there's not really anyone for him to say this to. 
Yeah. Like, no. I, I don't know who in the story you could put there and have him have this conversation. Yeah, all this is obviously his internal struggle, so he's yeah. not he wouldn't share that with anyone, I would assume. Mm-hmm. Like, the only way you could do this, I feel like, in a visual medium, and he's not talking to himself, is if he's, like, drunk on a street, just, like, talking to somebody random, or, like, if he's sober, thinking out loud, talking to an animal that's, like, walking by or something. Yeah. Like, that would be the only other way to do it, I feel like. I mean, you could, like, you could have had it with, like, he's ranting like if chris was in the room and he was ranting at her because he knows she couldn't understand and then tell kenson what he's up to oh that'd be interesting like that that's a possibility but yeah it has to, he has to be talking to someone who can't talk back so we, we cut to chris who is uh, doing science she's sciencing she shows a guy uh what a, a piece of carapace underneath the microscope and then another one that also looks like carapace but it's not it is sand and this is where she's figuring out that uh, something is on the sand, which we know because we read the uh, the essay about the thing, the, the lichen that grows on the sand. She's discovered the sandlings eat the sand, and then what they excrete is – looks like dark side sand. So they're eating whatever – and they're getting nourishment from whatever the thing is that grows on the sand. That's how they survive from eating sand, which she's like, it was weird. I wondered how they could live off of sand, but now we know. And so she says lichen grows all over the place on dark side. Maybe this is similar, but a day side version. And the professor's like, a living creature has to have water to survive. And she's like, well, sandlings don't need water. Well, they melt if they get exposed to water. So yeah, probably not. <laughs> but it's interesting that the uh, the lichen is so like the carapace on a sandling. I'm not sure. Maybe it's because they eat it and digest it. And that's how uh, they make you know themselves. So, And then when you pour water on it, Look at the crazy light that comes out. The same mother of pearl color given off by a sandmaster or the sand that a sandmaster is controlling. You can only really see it in the dark, and you don't usually see sandmasters working in the dark, so it's uh, you, you don't see this very often, but it is the same color. And one thing that she finds encouraging here is that if we, she thinks if we take this sand back to Ellis with us, we can probably grow the lichen on sand there and then use it like the sandmasters do, assuming that there's a way to power it up there. And then she's like, hey, Bayon, I want to talk to you. You said that you'd seen Skathen. Is it true what they say about him and his abilities? And he's like, well, you mean his magic? I've seen the Emperor do things impossible for a normal man. When I was a young boy, he looked like a man in his mid-20s. He looked exactly the same when I left Ilaria. That sounds familiar. Yep. One interesting change on this page from uh, the previously published version is there was a picture right here of Skathen as he's talking about him. He looks like a musketeer, kind of. Like, that's what it struck me as. But I guess they, they pulled it out of this version for some reason. Leave him more mysterious. Yeah. I mean, he really doesn't look that intimidating, so it, it's probably better this way. Yeah. And so we cut. They're heading to the party. She says, you cleaned up quite well, Lord Maestral. Thank you, Duchess. And they're going to make the attendants wait outside. Like, sorry, Bayon. But Tracked Ace is here attending instead of Judge Helis, who regrets she's unable to attend. And the guy's like, oh, okay. And here is the Lord Admiral, and he gets these drunken speech bubbles, which are also an addition. That was not in the original, but I like them. And he announces to everyone that he's called this gathering specifically to announce his support for the Lord Maestral in the upcoming vote and makes a toast and then collapses. <laughs> and she's like, wait, that's the Lord Admiral? He's like, yeah, Delius, the only man in Losand who could collapse drunk before the party even begins. But it is weird that 
he's going to break his pattern when he specifically told me he wasn't and vote for us. What does this mean? Maybe he's heard that Lord Vay has already declared, I'm never going to vote for you. So the Admiral's like, oh, well, I can rip this Band-Aid off now. (laughs) (laughs) And we end the chapter with Chris being like, you know, for the first time in a long time, I think I'm having fun. She likes a party. Who knew? And then we get a little essay on dayside food. They make a jerky by melting sandlings and then like turning it into a paste that's seasoned and spiced and dried in the sun, which does not sound like the most appetizing thing to me. But I guess when that's what you've got everywhere, then <laughs> yeah, I try it. I mean, I try it. Some stuff about their vegetables. Apparently, you got to grow everything under the sand, so you can't even tell that stuff's growing if you're above. They got some bread. They got some sauces. Some of them are a little spicy for her. Soups are generally served cold, almost chilled. And she's like, that's kind of refreshing given the constant heat here. Yeah, I don't care about heat. I cannot eat cold soups. Yeah, agreed. And water is the drink of choice on dayside. Grapes don't do well in the heat and have to be watered constantly. So it's uh, wine is not that easy to come by. But they do have Detha, an effervescent drink from the southern from southern low sand that is mild and refreshing. And the interesting one to me is that they don't since they don't have a lot of metal bowls, plates, cups and utensils. You also can't make them from carapace because they would melt. So there's actually they're made from glass, pottery or in rare cases, crystal. Most of the dinnerware. That's kind of neat. I assume that this Detha drink that she mentions, that's what the Lord Admiral is constantly plastered on. This is an excellent question, but I believe he said earlier, like when we first met him, I think he was talking about his bottles of wine. Oh, okay. Must have a deal with Darkseid and get get it imported. Could be. I mean, we were led to believe that there's not much commerce between the two sides, but Chris was yeah. also kind of uh, misinformed on how much traffic went back and forth, so who knows. Yeah. And here's where we get that big art change for this is the, the guy's going to do one chapter and this is it. I do wonder what happened, and I may have heard at the time, but it's weird to, like, have a guy finish two-thirds of a book, I feel like, and then – or actually, I guess this is five-sixths of a book, and then just – nope, he's done. Get somebody else. Look it up later. And so she is prying for information about sand mastery. He's like, I can't tell you stuff about sand mastery. I mean, if you test positive for the ability to master sand, you'd be expected to join the Diem. And we've never tested from someone from Darkseid. We don't even know if that's possible for someone from dark side to have the power. And he's just like, look, there's, there's rules about joining the DM rules for being there rules for conduct. And she's like, Hey, those are traditions and you're now the boss. So you can change stuff if you want. And here comes Delius back. Uh, he's, he's gotten up off the ground and he's very uh, cheerful and they invite him to eat with them. He's, he, he does his whole like kissing her hand and, uh, being a little, I don't know if smarmy is the right word, but, uh, he's laying it on a bit thick. And she's uh, she's very slick where he's like, you know, this is a fine gathering. And he's like, oh, by day side standards, sure. But what about dark side ones? I heard you guys are more refined over there. And she's like, it's fine by my standards, which is all that matters to me. She's like and he's like, ah, good answer. OK, uh, let's see. So Delius comes out and tells him that uh, the other the other people in uh, his organization or his profession are not as thrilled to work with Kenton because the car is planning to slow down trade if he wins, but he's hinted that maybe he'd lift that embargo if Losend were to renounce its unholy past, specifically, you know, Sandmasters. So these guys are all going to be out a bunch of money if the Sandmaster profession does not get disbanded. Hmm. 
So Ken's like, I mean, the Kelsen must not like the declaration of support that you had then. Why'd you do it? And his answer is, I don't imagine you know much about how the helm chooses its Lord Admiral. And it's best if we keep it that way. And I got to go mingle. Eat as much as you want and do try to waste some wine for me. <laughs> like how he's like, oh, I'm going to say something cryptic and leave. Bye. And Kenton's even like, huh. Yeah, he, he used the word waste when he talked about the wine. It seemed out of place. I wonder if he was trying to tell me something. But I do love the, the next panel where he's like, so we were talking about sand mastery. It's like, what are you so afraid of? What do you, do you think I'd do if I had this knowledge? And he, he gets a sing-song speech bubble of not listening, not going to tell you. We spot Nilto on the way out, but uh, an ace hears Chris say Nilto. That's a word that she understands. Uh, so she's like, wait, did did your companion say Nilto? I saw him slip out at the beginning of the party. And as they're leaving in their carriage, they hear some shouting, and Kenton jumps out and races off to see what's wrong. Meanwhile, Bayon like, loads his shotgun. So he'll he'll be ready if something's going down. And Kenton finds like a collapsed wall, it looks like. It looks like maybe a whole building collapsed. And this is a small change from the original where he's like, what's going on here? And they don't really tell him. The guy's just like, I'm sorry, my lord. I didn't mean to disturb you. Nothing that you need to concern yourself with. In the original, like he says, what's going on here? And the guy is like, the scaffolding collapsed. And then he notices Kenton and then he says all that, like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to disturb you and so on and so forth. And Ken's like, there's workers down there. <laughs> and you see people yelling, help, help. And this guy's like, please, my lord, don't punish them. It wasn't their fault. It was mine. We didn't mean to bother you. Yeah, which, I mean, I know people are scared of the maestrals and the sandmasters. But, like, this is kind of weird. Because I feel like even if it was a different lord, like, if it was one of the other lords, I feel like they wouldn't be quite as scared, maybe. But maybe I'm wrong. It is weird. They're so like he pulls out his sand and starts to use sand mastery, and everyone's like, "Oh no, no, don't kill, don't hurt us, please. We're sorry." But no, what he's doing is using his sand mastery to lift up the fallen wall so they can get the people out. And so uh, he rescues the trapped people, but he's dehydrated and needs some water. And the guy's like, "My lord, thank you." Oh yeah, yeah sure enough, his name's Trell, and he says, "Next time you have a problem like this, Trell, send for the sand a sand master immediately." Because I don't know if we've established it before, but uh, sand ribbons can lift like way more than the Sandmaster's own weight. So they're very useful for that kind of thing. And Chris says, that was very noble of you. And he's like, well, it's what we should have been doing all along. So, And then he's like, hey, Trell, give your people the rest, of the, the rest of the day off or the rest of the shift off. Send them home. And if your boss has a problem, tell them they can bring it up with the Lord Maestro. <laughs> I like I like how he's like, hey, I'm not your boss, but you take the day off. Are you, are your boss got a problem? You tell me. Talk to me. <laughs> and this hopefully guy's like, all right. Af- hopefully your boss is afraid of me as you were. Right. Yeah. That's like me going into a police station being like, hey, you guys take the rest of the day off. If the police chief has this problem with it or if the city has a problem with it, you tell him to talk to me. Well, the Lord Maestral is, you know, one of the nine or whatever most powerful people in the city. So it's a slight uh, difference. Do you think I'm not one of the most nine powerful people in our city? Yeah, I think <laughs> not. I mean, we're going to have the, the, the election for mayor. You could try running. Maybe oh, no, late. that's yeah, that's long. That's way too late. Yeah, the election's coming up. And so uh, we cut back to Chris doing more experiments, talking to Bayon. How many charges do you have left for your pistols? And he's like, six. Do you want me to shoot Kenton until he relents? Because uh, about talking about sand mastery is what is the discussion. And she's like, no, uh, I'm afraid you'll have to get very good with a zinc all if you intend to do any shooting after we run out of this stuff. And then 
she's like, Bayon, where'd you get those pistols? He's like, I acquired them. Those are Elysian officers' pistols. Where did you get them? I don't think you want to know. She's like, those are the pistols like the captain and his lieutenant had. You killed them, didn't you? Yes. Were you sent by to Ellis by the dynasty? Yes. It's really what kind of traitor or spy like when you're like, hey, are you a spy? It's like, yep, sure am. <laughs> you know, if yeah. you're an undercover cop, you have to tell me what. <laughs> oh, OK, I'll tell you then. Yeah, I, I, I am. And she's like, oh, Shella, they sent you to stop me if I found the Sandmasters, didn't they? And he's like, I'm not sure stop is a strong enough word. <laughs> and they're both looking at the gun on the table. And then the professors come in and one of them drops whatever he's carrying. I think it's Salt Peter is what we established earlier. The devil tiger finally shows his true star marks. Bayon, are you threatening the Duchess? Put that pistol away. But he's holding the pistol with the like barrel pointing behind him. So I don't yeah. know how they... I... I also want to see what a what a devil tiger looks like. Yeah, now. right. Yep. And then he just bows and he's like, "Okay, that's that's it then. Good day, Duchess." And he takes off. It's so weird, isn't it? It's just. So I also weird. like how nobody's like, "Hey, stop him." I mean, could they? He's I got mean, the guns. Maybe not, but still, like you know, you could tr- try. Be like, "Hey, you can't leave." Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's just bizarre. It's like I don't know if he's a really great spy or just a terrible spy. Like, he went so long without being discovered, and then they discover him. He's like, oh, yeah, no, totally. Bye now. I, I don't. It's it's so strange. Maybe he thought his abrupt honesty would confuse them so he could get away, and he did. True. We cut to Kenton and Eric, and Kenton is announcing to the DM, like, for, you've all heard what I did yesterday. From now on, we're not going to run the risk of being made irrelevant. We have to change. So we're not going to hide behind our secretive world of rules and traditions. We're going to go out there and serve the... People? Thoom! As she tosses the doors open. Lord Maestral, I've decided I'm ready to become a Sandmaster, Chris declares, with Ace striking a very dramatic pose behind her. And that's the end of uh, of the chapters, except for the description of the Sandmastery test, which is actually much more simple. I mean, we've seen the test. We saw Kenton take the test, so it shouldn't be new information for us, really. Except for the fact that any Sandmaster who goes rogue is hunted down by an elite group within the DM, but which Kenton has been his usual tight-lipped self. I mean, if they're really an elite group who can take out any Sandmaster, they're probably dead. They would have been some of the high-ranked ones. But yeah, that is the end of book two of three. So we're now two-thirds of the way through this uh, this graphic novel. So we've got we've got one-third left. Uh, as, as a fun note, I will say that chapter 13 is entitled Delegate to Accumulate. So... Uh, Predictions. What do you guys think? Where are we going? How is this last third going to play out? I feel like, like I don't know what what Eric's up to, but I think Dryle has probably been taking the money and trying to drum up his whole mercenary idea. I think that's where like the money from their debts has been going. But the big one I have for this week, I've been thinking a lot about Sharazin, who Ace is hunting and she thinks it's Nilto. I don't think it is. I think it actually might be the Lord Judge who assigned her to look after Kenton, and she's just doing that to try and just, like, get Ace off her trail. Hmm. Yeah. I, 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 don't, I don't know. I'm suspicious. Like, they're leaning on, Sharazin, it's Nilto, it's Nilto, it's got to be Nilto. So I'm like, well, okay, um, it's not then. So who is it actually? And, like, who stands to benefit from getting rid of the Lord Beggar and his control over the people? One of the other high like high lords, the, the Taishin. Mm-hmm. And so I'm thinking, all right, well, who do we know who's like got a connection to tracked ice? Well, it's got to be the judge. So 
That's a good uh, that's a good thought because yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to hide as a criminal, being the high judge is probably a good place to do it. <laughs> yeah. Plus, but it, it's it you know, it just seems like she you're never really sure is she a hero, is she a villain? She seems to flip-flop between each scene she's in. Yep. And she's trying to get as much control over the situation as she can, so I think it's got to be her. Well, in, in a way, it's like one it's one of those things like we talked about with the uh the traitor in the DM where you're like, it's almost if there's a mystery about who this person is that's continuing for this long in the book, it's got to be somebody that we know already. Right. It'd be weird if it wasn't. Yeah. So it's got to be a named character. And there's not that many candidates for for that, honestly. Yeah. So, yeah, I think you've got some uh, some good trains of thought going there. Yeah. So I don't really know what's going to happen in the media future here with Chris. I, I would guess that he's going to be like, well, I don't know if you can you know, join the DM or whatever. But although it seems like the next section where in her journal, she writes about like more in depth and detailed about sand mastery and how becoming a sand master works. So maybe he does let her in, but I just don't know how that would play out. I don't know about the high judge. I mean, she's given bad guy vibes, but I don't really know yet how I feel like she fits in. And then we've got, yeah, we've still got the mystery of, I, at least to me, it's a mystery of like, who is the Lord Beggar? He's just the Lord Beggar. That's who he is. Or is there something more to him? And then, yeah, this whole Bayon thing, like, where is he going to go now? He's obviously not just going to go back to Darkseid. I don't think he could make it back even with how skilled he is. I don't think he could make it back by himself. And so we've got that whole thing going on. There's just a lot of things that are loose ends here. And a lot and almost every named character has some kind of a besides Kenton. And Chris has some kind of agenda we don't know yet. Like, we're not sure what their goal is yet, These most of these people. And so it feels like the farther we get in, the more questions I have, not less. And so it's really hard to get a beat on where this thing is going. For some reason, I feel like the Lord Admiral is a good dude. Not sure why. I mean, when I say not sure why, I mean not sure how. Like, he seems like a good dude because he's trying... To, it seems like he's trying to help Kenton figure something out. At least that's what it sounds like from Kenton's perspective. But I don't really know how that fits in yet either. So I, I guess that was a long speech to say I'm not sure what's going on. Yeah, there's there's lots of threads at this point that it's like, mm-hmm. are, do, do, do they go anywhere? And if so, where do they go? And right. So, yeah, I see what you're saying. Like if, if for example, your, your question about the Lord Beggar, if he's not just Lord Beggar, then – who is it even possible that he could be like other? I mean, he could be Shara's on or whatever, but we already think like Ace already thinks that might be the case. So, right. Is, yeah. is there any candidate for him to be somebody else? I don't know. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. I, I, the only, only ties that we know about him right now is that he, he knows obviously all the other Lords. I don't know if they mm-hmm. know his like identity or whatever. And he knows the dude from Darkseid who knew. Oh, yeah, the guy that we met at the beginning. I forgot that. Yeah, he uh, he knows that guy. And he had uh, Chris's lovers or husband, fiance, whatever, his stuff. So I guess he knew him. But, yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, maybe he killed him or maybe he is him. Who knows? I don't know. (laughs) 
he maybe he's yeah maybe it's maybe it is what is his name gel gelvet gelvedin yeah his his full name was like gavaldin but his friends called him gevin so gevin uh, sure. Now I'm thinking about uh, it like a Scooby-Doo thing. At the end, they're going to be like, now let's see right. who the Lord Beggar really is. It's Kevin. Oh, my God. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> uh, hey, I'm here for it. If that's if that's the case, I will say good job, uh, book. Good job, book. Okay. Fair enough. Um, I like Dak's idea of the Lord Judge or High Judge or Lord Judge. Uh, I, uh, I, we'll uh, do this. I think it's High Judge. Hot judge, yes, being a bad guy, I think that's kind of cool and would make a bit of sense. Yeah, I, I, it is difficult because we're we're obviously coming into the point where we're going to start wrapping things up now, very look, soon. And again, I think our brains go to quite a big story because we're used to reading the novels, and then we expect really big things out of the shorter stories. Mm-hmm. I think that it might be more simple than we're we're giving it credit for. Not to say I don't I know how it's going to go because I, I I don't. It could get quite complicated, but I don't think it's going to be super complicated in the way it wraps up. I am going to go back to my theory that Eric is a bit more involved in it somehow than don't think he's the big bad, but there's definitely something going on with him. Bayon. Uh, Bayon's exit, he was really cool just to leave and not cover his tracks or anything. Makes me think there's something a bit bigger at play. Someone else knows he's there. It's just his time in the operation now is over. Not quite sure how that's going to play out, whether we're going to have more people of the the dynasty, because there's obviously more interaction between the two sides of the planet than anyone realises. Right. And we, we also know that there's a point where Chris can't go home. So is it that she can't get there or she's not welcome there? Whether this all ties into that somehow, I I don't know. It's all very broad thoughts at the moment. I think it's a bit too early to tell. I uh, <laughs> latched onto the, the comment of waste some wine. I was like, what's Ken? Kenton's like, what's he trying to tell me? Is there a message in there, wasting the wine? Maybe <laughs> maybe the, the Lord Maestral has, uh, not Kenton, his father, decided he likes a little bit of wine as well and and put some money under the table to uh the lord general on not lord general what's his name lord admiral you know bought some wine and wasting the wine is just getting rid of the money and causing a whole bunch of problems for kenton so it doesn't really matter which way the admiral votes i don't know <laughs> i don't really know what to think there but interesting i mean we're, we're, we're told that uh, sandmasters don't drink because weird stuff happens so if his dad was out there getting drunk i wonder what was going on yeah, I mean, we're also told a lot of things about the Sandmasters, and maybe, maybe they've all been lied to. Who knows? I mean, it's I true. can't imagine if your your art requires water that you would fill your body with alcohol. It doesn't really make sense. Mm. But you could spend a lot of money on something that's pretty rare. So maybe it, maybe it's, I don't know, been stolen or it's been stored as wine or I, I don't know. He's just a collector of fine rare wines, and he has a secret wine yeah. cellar with all of the expensive bottles. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't like know. this. It's all hidden Just in plain sight. That's yeah. <laughs> I'm curious. Your your idea about Bayon got me interested because you're like maybe his part is done and there's some there'll be something else like somebody else from the dynasty that has a piece. So are we talking like somebody else that we know is also secretly working for the dynasty or are there people out here 
like waiting, like dynasty has sent like soldiers that are going to do their part and they've been hiding around the entire time. Oh, my first thought was maybe soldiers coming in, but I don't really know. I guess the, the, the end goal is that Chris wants to use the Sandmasters to overthrow the dynasty or dynastic intervention. Yeah, something like that. Emperor? The Emperor? Yeah, Emperor um, Skathen or whatever. Yeah, so I mean, obviously they don't want that to happen. If he's been sent there to spy on them and figure out, you know, how much do they actually know, they don't need grand action until they know that she knows something. And so maybe maybe this is her window. She's keen to become a Sandmaster now because Bayon's gone, but you bring someone else into it. So if you bring, like, the military back effectively to stop her, they, they've got a lot at stake. If, if maybe... If, if you can use Dan Mastery, if the Lycan will survive on the dark side, then that's a problem. Um, mm. So I don't see why they would send Bayon to investigate and then just be like, yeah, okay, cool. We don't need to do anything else. Maybe Arik is a dynastic agent as well. The the theory was that he went and spent a bit of time on the dark side. So Right, yeah, he, he said that he, that he was on dark side, so we know he was there. Yeah, he absolutely... Um, could have been converted if he doesn't particularly agree with the Sandmasters as well and what they're doing. Um, mm. You know, maybe he's got a reason to to disagree. That's, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. All right. Uh, I think that that's an interesting because Chris has found out several things and she's got theories, but we also, like you said, we don't have. She doesn't have anything solid that she knows she can take back and be successful against the dynasty yet so okay interesting uh, all, right, all right for next time three more chapters we're gonna read half of the remaining book so that'll be chapters 13 14 and 15 we're coming right up to the end of this folks in the meantime let us do some emails we don't have new patrons this week emails so the first one is from diaria who's a member of our Discord. It's titled Something Fun. Hey, y'all. Loving the podcast. It's great to listen while walking home from work every Monday. White Sands is my first read-along with you guys, for as long as I'm able to hold back. And it's fun to discover something you've missed or vice versa. Here's something funny. In India, we don't group by millions and billions, but by locks and crores? Crores. C-R-O-R-E-S. A lock rupee is worth about 1,200 U.S. dollars. So whenever they say lock in White Sands, it my heart stops. I go, that's so bloody expensive. It's even worse listening to y'all where I don't have the spelling to remind me that it's different. Just some fun trivia that I'd share. Cheers and hope y'all keep enjoying the Cosmere Diaria. That's interesting. Did not know that. Yeah. I appreciate the trivia. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a big fan of random things to store in my brain and probably never use again. Yeah. Someday we'll be on some kind of quiz show where that will be helpful. Our next email is from... Yasmin from Mexico. I'm a big fan of the podcast, although I haven't seen Futurama or played any Final Fantasy games, and I don't plan on doing so in the future. Forgive me. I have read all six Mistborn books and Secret History during last winter vacation in just one month, but I paid so little attention to the details that I didn't even notice Hoyd until Bands of Morning. so I look for a podcast for rereading and to improve my English. I'm so lucky to have found you, even if when I hear a reference, my mind goes blank. I just finished episode 128, Perfect State, and I have to say, although Jamie was my favorite in Era 1, as far as I've listened in Era 2, my favorite is Dak. He managed to change my opinion about Wayne. He had both crazy and accurate theories. 
Overall, each of you bring something unique to the dynamic of the podcast, which has made me really enjoy the first few months of the year. However, I don't agree with the idea of reading Secret History after Era 1 of Mistborn. The revelation in the final of Bands of Mourning had such a significant impact on me, and Secret History was such a high point that I feel it's a good place to finish with Mistborn until the next book. But I also think what sets the Cosmere apart from other book series is that it has so many different stories that each person can have their own unique journey. That's why I've decided not to read The Lost Metal until after I finish the Stormlight Archive, although I was almost convinced to read The Lost Metal first. I was just waiting to finish listening to episode 128 before jumping in. However, the final argument changed my mind. While you may not want to reread the series, I might. I plan on to read all four books of the Stormlight Archive during my summer vacation. If it's not possible, I'll read them during my winter vacation. Until then, I'll take a break from the podcast. Keep doing an incredible job. I'll catch up sooner or later. P.S. When you get to Warbreaker, you'll hear from me. I have strong feelings about it. Yeah, I can understand wanting to wait to read The Lost Metal. I have hmm. heard that from a few people. Like some some of our friends like just saying, oh, where'd you get to the podcast? And it's like, oh, we did this, this, this. And it's like, oh, what do you think when you got to the end of Bands of Morning? Oh, you know, we already read Sacred History. So, <laughs> oh, there was there was not the some of those people were not happy. Yeah, understandable. <laughs> but uh, it's yeah, fine. There were reasons. Yeah, we, we do our own thing. You know, our journey is our journey, man. Don't don't crap on our journey. But uh, Yasmin, I guess it'll be a long time before you make it here since you've got to go read Stormlight before you read Lost Metal. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see you when you make it back. Yeah. Or I guess you could skip ahead to the Warbreaker part. Well, yeah, but we might say things that oh, yeah, that's potential true. spoil stuff. Potential yeah, spoilers. Potential spoilers. Will, uh, be alert. I, I'm listening to some other podcasts. It's like potential spoilers for this, this, this and that. And I'm just like, no, we have potential spoilers for everything we've read. If you don't know what it is, go look. I'm sorry. I'm not going to do yeah. every episode and list it all off. Yeah. Yeah. That seems like a whole thing. Uh, another email is from Jacob. The title is Caught Up Almost. Hi, all. Well, I said I'd email again if I binged enough to catch up. Thanks to a few long flights, it happened sooner than I expected. I've just finished the last episode on the Lost Metal and will be interested to move on to White Sand. It's the only part of the Cosmere I haven't read, so I'm going to try to read it along with you once my copy turns up later on today. We'll see how that goes, Jacob. Nice. Hope you're managing it. Enjoy. Long. Enjoy. Yeah, this I've actually heard in these emails and from people on the Discord that uh, they're like, this is the first time I'm going to try to read along with the podcast. That's cool. Nice. I like that. And I'll go ahead and read this last email because it's very short. This one is from Isla. It says, another email for me to hear in a few weeks. The binge is nearly over. Hi, <laughs> crew. Well, I'm nearly caught up now, and it was fun to just hear my email read out. I'm looking forward to hearing your reactions to Moonlight slash Shy in a few episodes. Also, I'll probably have to join the Patreon because I need to hear what Data has to say about his reactions to the Lost Metal and Tress. I only have the graphic audio of White Sands, but hopefully it will be enough for me to follow along with you all from Isla. P.S. You got my name right. So I'm hoping I pronounced it the same way this time I did. Last time. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> so, yeah, the graphic audio, I'm not actually sure if it's based more on the prose or if it's based more on the um, graphic novel. Because I have not listened to the graphic audio, but I know that it is a popular way to consume white sand hmm. for those that aren't into comics. Thank you guys for your emails. If anyone would like to send us an email, the address is thesanderlanch at gmail.com. Find us on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter and Patreon, where I'm in the middle of doing my reactions to the Frugal Wizards Handbook for Surviving Medieval England. Secret Project number two, which uh, the actual books haven't shipped yet, but. I read digital most of the time, so it's all good. 
Oh, it, I, I saw at least one person today that's our the May box has shipped, which is the Mistborn box. So that'll be fun when I get that Ooh. one. I'm looking forward to that one. Ooh, nice. Yeah, I want to know what uh, what enamel pin is inside. So you'll have to tell me. Yeah. Two of the pins that I've gotten so far were already Mistborn related. So yeah. I'm yeah. Curious, uh, yeah. This one. I really liked that uh, the Tress book came with the with the Vin pin because I wanted one. So that was yeah. cool. The Vin one is adorable. I also really like the Steris pin. So they're both super. And, uh, you know, if, if you guys were interested at some point, uh, they do sell like leftover boxes at Brandon's store online. Our, yeah, I our, saw that. Our buddy, uh, who is also the moderator on our Discord, bought one of the uh, Skyward boxes that was extra and was showing off his, uh, his stuff that he got. He, he likes the little ship being a pilot. I would consider getting the additional boxes, but it would depend entirely on cost and shipping cost because the shipping oh, yeah. cost the is shipping actually for what murdered you. us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's pretty, it's, it's pretty high. Let's see. What's what, what, I'm, I'm looking to see which ones are available now, just out of curiosity. I think uh, I think only the Skyward box is left. I was on his website the other no, day. No, they got they got the Sidoverse box and they have the Hoid box. Oh, nice. Yeah. Okay. Now, anyway, sorry. Look at that later. Oh, they have the jackets, the dragon steel jackets that we saw at the con that I was like, I might get one of these, except I don't know how expensive it is. Oh. There was no, uh, there was they no price tag. Uh, they must have added those recently because I was on his website like two weeks ago. I didn't see them. Uh, I don't know that I need a jacket now with summer coming on, but uh, I did like them. Anyway, sorry. So remember, everyone, next time, three more chapters. We've got two more episodes until we complete this and move on to the next book, Warbreaker. Stick with us, and we are heading back into novel territory soon. Music by Miracle of Sound. Thank you to everyone out there, everyone who's listening, everyone who emailed, our patrons. We appreciate all of you. You guys are awesome. And wasing to the time of next. Colo? The desert has a soul. I realized just when I paused there right before the sign off, I realized I had one more note about a difference between the old version and the new version. And I was like, is this really the time when I'm about to do the sign off to stop and be like, wait, one more thing. And I decided, <laughs> no, it's not. But for y'all's edification, there is in the, some of the final scenes with like, uh, I think with Bayon and Chris, there is a huge electric chandelier hanging from the ceiling in the original version, which was removed. Right. So I just removed any references to electricity. Yep, for sure.